listening to The Atomic Geeks, a podcast covering movies, TV, comic books, video games, and everything in between. So geeky. Internet, it's your pal Christian from the town of Oakville in my basement here for another scintillating episode of the Atomic Geeks podcast. And in my hand to help me through the evening, I'm clutching a cold can of Canadian ice. Yes, Molson Canadian ice. It costs a bit more, but considering tonight's topic, I thought it would go down icy smooth. Who else is joining me on this Maple Leaf podcast special? <laughs> well, hello, Christian, and hello, everyone else. It's Andrew Bloom calling in from London. I'm drinking a Labatt Blue, which is a good Canadian beer, and doing it in style. Got it free on the tour I did last week. I did do the tour last week. I know. I heard your, I heard your atomic pick, remember? I did the tour. <laughs> Last week. <laughs> Ooh, coo-coo-coo-coo-coo-coo-coo! Hey, hosers and hoseheads, Mike Downs coming to you from northern Ontario, Canada, in the laundry room. I've got slippers on and some hat with fur. I guess he's uh, not drinking beer tonight. All right, my turn. Hey, 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 uh, it's Michael Giovanni doing my best impersonation of Alan Thicke, I suppose. That's but... my bit. <laughs> <laughs> I don't remember you trademarking it, so shut up. I'm in Toronto, and for tonight's Canadian podcasting festivities, what the hell, I'll drink a Belgian beer. That's right, I'm having a Chimay White. What makes it white? Like, there's all these white <laughs> beers, that the Rickers White and the Thing White and that other beer that's white. That's what makes it white? No, it's, it's, well, a white is a wheat beer generally, but this is a Belgian beer, and there's just three different variations. This one's a – there's – different labels. There's a blue, a red label, and a white label. So I'm having the Chimay white label. I thought it was cream of some young guy they put in that. No, that's what they do <laughs> in Germany. <laughs> uh, no, I'm drinking a beer I forgot to say, but, but nothing great. PC Genuine Lager. I only had two, actually. Hardly enough to get me through a podcast. Well, you better uh, step your game up. That's right. Busy. Go, to medicine, go to the medicine cabinet. See what you can find. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> okay, uh, welcome, uh, guys and dolls, to uh, the Atomic Geeks episode, was it 102 or 3? Two. Two. Episode 102, of course. I knew that. Ho-ho, can you believe it? 102. I never thought I'd see the day when I'd say, hey, I'm hosting episode 102. Um, now, before we get into the meat and potatoes of tonight's episode, let's see if anybody has a little bit of that... Uh, Geek news. Geek news. Why not? Me, I'll do it again. And <laughs> like our usual broken record of geek news here, more superhero movie news. I, You know, this a new trailer dropped, and this was the one that I think a lot of people kind of forgot about. The, you know, with all the news of Captain America, Green Lantern, Thor, and whatnot, a lot of peeps kind of forgot that there is a brand new X-Men film coming this year. In fact, it's called X-Men First Class, and we got our first look at it uh, that the trailer dropped maybe a, a few days ago at the time of this recording. So, guys, uh, 
what do we think of the early years of the X-Men? Hate it. <laughs> <laughs> Somebody go. <laughs> uh, well, I mean, I, I kind of said this on the, on the website. Um, someone else, too, was talking about how, I think it was Eric T. maybe said, um, you know, this time period is great to be telling a movie in this time period of X-Men history. And I totally agree with that statement because there isn't a lot of um, stuff in canon for what happened in this time period, so they can kind of do whatever the hell they want, which makes for kind of, you know, the unique opportunity to tell a really unique film story with these characters. I think it sounds like a pretty fucking damn good idea to me. I mean, the very fact that they're actually spinning out a story from the past is this basically more street cred for marvel that they've totally got their shit together i mean i saw this trailer and i swear to god my freaking nearly swallowed my tongue i said jesus this looks balls awesome yeah i mean it does look pretty good the director of the film is matthew vaughn he's uh, cutting quite the little cloth of comic movies he did kick-ass and he also did neil gaiman's film stardust so he's uh, definitely got the pedigree. This thing uh, looks pretty damn good. I was actually, you know, it's interesting that they're leveraging Brian Singer and the uh, films and the trilogy that came before it. I mean, they're not shying away to kind of let fans know we're still playing. This is not a reboot. This is just almost like a prequel because they showed footage from those other films. I, I think it looks like good casting for Professor X and Magneto. Uh, oh, yeah. For sure. And that last scene of Magneto basically lifting with his powers a submarine out of the water is a fucking money shot. Awesome. That's a jaw-droppingly awesome-looking scene. So I, I think it looks pretty good. I think for all those X, X-Files or X, X-Men freaking aficionados, I think one of the concerns, I think I think it was, a, it was Blair J. Campbell brought it up in the forum, was that they're playing a little bit loose with the comic history, so to speak. For example, that big, like, Emma Frost being a part of the team way back when, mm. uh, played by the sumptuous January Jones. Yeah, mm. and she, she is a fucking looker, let me tell you. She looks got, she's going to be doing cleavage McCleavage a lot in this film. <laughs> the, the I, didn't even, I didn't even know the title of the film. I thought it was cleavage McCleavage. <laughs> Andrew's, Andrew Bloom's interest just went fucking through the roof in this film. Well, when they were, when they were shooting the film, just um, like how Star Wars was called Blue Harvest, that's what they called this film, <laughs> cleavage McCleavage. <laughs> they shot 720 hours of extra cleavage footage. <laughs> <laughs> that that you know will end up at that, my house. That's right, with the new the, the the new cleavage lens they've got specifically for this movie. Yes, <laughs> the, the 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 mystery project created by James Cameron. James Cameron, yeah. yeah. <laughs> of course, I've been working on a side project that involves breasts. Uh, <laughs> so I was but, trying. If you look at this trailer, like you almost try to pinpoint all of the mutants that are going to be in it. I mean, that was my next question. Who is, who, who the fuck are these mutants? Yeah. I mean, there is that, there is like a fucking, um, nightcrawler red dude who looks totally fucking cool. Hey, who the fuck is that cat? Well, they look beast. Uh, Hank McCoy appears to be in it. Mm. They, it, it seems like, uh, is Cyclops in it? Is there a younger version of him? I don't know if we actually, got- I don't, I didn't see Cyclops, but I saw this dude who, like, threw Cyclops shit with his hands or something like that. Was And uh, fucking Mystique, who is my f- favorite all-time, I think, mutant ever, 
Yeah, Mystique shows up, and I know I, I for some reason think Scott Summers has to be in it as a younger person, and that is Cyclops for those that you that don't know. But the uh, fucking uh, silver Magneto helmet looks goddamn awesome as well. Yeah, it, it, I mean they they're really focusing on the the conflict, which I think is going to make up the majority of the film, uh, is Charles and Eric, basically Professor X and Magneto. Like that's the the spine of the film. I think we only saw like snippets of the really the other of the other mutants. I was trying to like gather and pause it and try to figure out who's who, but it's kind of hard to tell in this first trailer. It's kind of an awesome trailer though. <laughs> like I know we've already said it, but like even the music, everything just gets you really excited to watch this movie. I mean, it's, it's, it's just, you better enjoy it while it lasts, man. Cause this summer there is a lot of shit coming out. Like it to Mike's point earlier, and they're not all uh, they're not all going to be this good for this long. I, I I they just can't be. You know what I mean? Like we're heading for a big fall, I would think, in the film comic book world. Yeah, I know. You're basically you're basically vocalizing my greatest fear because right now the the tap the, the the water taps are like on full blast for crying out loud. And at some point, man, those pipes are going to burst, and we're going to either get either a deluge of this shit or just nothing whatsoever. Well, I think it's going to be like any genre in filmmaking. We're going to get good, we're going to get shit, and then we're also going to get moments of absolute greatness like what with Dark Knight and whatnot. You know, I I, I don't think just because there's a lot of them means the genre is going to go to crap, but I think it is inevitable that we're going to get some crap. You know what I mean? Like they're because they're going to continue to put out these films. I don't think superhero genre is going anywhere. Well, especially not now. I mean, right now it's I don't know if you want to call it a renaissance, but it's definitely an explosion of like especially even specifically from Marvel itself. Well, I mean, think about it too. It's like I forgot that there was a fucking X-Men first class movie mm. coming out. Like think about that's really? how much there is now that you're forgetting that there's major superhero properties that have films out. Yeah, like I don't think when the, most people even had that on their radar because it was like, wait a minute, fucking it's out in like four months or whatever it is. Like that was a little surprising to me. Like that's where I was like, Jesus Christ, the superhero genres like the new CGI animated film, which they seem to put out one of those every fucking month. Mm. Yeah, but how, how ballsy is Marvel, though? I mean, the, basically they're saying, yeah, we're going to put out an X-Men movie, but we're going to put out an X-Men movie at the beginning of the creation of the X-Men, you know? I mean, that is not exactly a super-duper mainstream friggin' storyline to sell to a wide audience, mm. I think. Yeah, but it's also the sort of thing is they, they kind of stunk up the place a little bit with that uh, third X-Men, which was uh, not good. It wasn't awful but it was not great and you then just that, ate kelsey grammar that's why <laughs> it had some all right shit in it, it had though, some I mean. okay stuff but then that fucking wolverine move uh, mm. uh like x-men origins crap i mean they needed to redeem themselves a little bit and i don't know if just doing another a fourth entry into that into that film they probably couldn't have gotten halle berry and you know hugh jackman's more interested in doing his own series of wolverine films this was probably a necessity by based off of business, dare I say that? Oh my <laughs> God, I'm playing Mike Downs tonight. <laughs> hey, how damn! 
Oh, but speaking of Wolverine, tell me, I mean, I can't say spoilers because this is me friggin' just basically guess, guessing this. you gotta, you got to believe that at some point Hugh Jackman basically as himself will make an appearance as Wolverine somehow in this movie. A computer I younger. do that? Baby no, Wolverine. because he's like, he's oh, like he's friggin' ageless. over 100 years old. Yeah, right. True. Right? So I mean, it, it only makes sense that he could appear as himself. Well, they, they would have to do that. He, I mean, he's already doing the second movie, so I mean, this is they they have to pull that trigger. I would think. Come on, this is Marvel's doing it in every fucking movie they got. You have to. And talking about that Wolverine move, the sequel that's on deck, that's going to be a very, very different film than the first one. I mean, whether it is good, I don't know, but it's got Darren Aronofsky uh, working on it. He's mm. the guy that did the Wrestler, Black Swan, all mm. that. I mean, they've done. They've stepped up the talent behind the uh, camera for this one because God knows the lame ass jackass whoever made that awful first film. So I'm very curious to see that new film. <laughs> that lame ass jackass. <laughs> Who are the, the director's mother's at home listening to the podcast right now. <laughs> what did he say about my boy? <laughs> I'm going to find that boy. I can I can call him one more thing. I can call him a nincompoop as well. <laughs> That's right. Uh, are we, we going to talk about that for a second? Because I'm excited about that fucking movie, too, for what, Christ's sake. The nincompoops? Yes, the, yes, the nincompoops. Coming from Marvel Studios. <laughs> no, uh, But that that new Wolverine movie, freaking Aronofsky freaking directing it, and it's based on, apparently on the, his his adventures in, uh, his solo adventure in Japan. Yeah, man. Jeez, Louise, sign me up in a big bag of biscuits for that one. <laughs> big bag of, I don't even know what that means, but I think he's excited. That Wolverine, first of all, the Wolverine uh, movie is exciting me because, A, they basically said, this is a separate adventure on its own, much like a James Bond movie where they're not necessarily linked. So this is basically going to be its own friggin' like super duper hero movie on its own without any trails, like any connections to the original. Thank God. For so that. it should be. Yeah. yeah. No kidding. And, but the thing that's really cool, which I read is that, uh, uh, basically said when he, when he was, I think he might, obviously he had to watch that horrid first fucking movie. He said, Hugh Jackman's too tall and skinny to play Wolverine. That was the one of his comments from it. He's like, Wolverine is supposed to be a bulky, fucking like, you know, short little feral creature, sort uh, as he's you know been depicted in a lot of the comics. He's making Hugh Jackman bulk up like twenty to thirty pounds worth because he wants to really represent the uh, the character closer to some of that Frank Miller era. Uh, Wolverine, like to your point, Christian, that was in Japan. So I'm yeah. really excited to kind of see what he's going to do with this property. I don't know. I've never really seen the character as being that friggin', uh, uh, unless it's been specific guards, I've never seen the character really that compact and bulky, you know? Mm, I don't know. Every, really? mean, I every time he's drawn, he's, he's shorter I guess. and bulky. I don't know. I just never, th anyway. He's he's definitely shorter. Yes. I mean, for sure. Uh, but they played him a lot shorter in the first movie. It seemed I thought than than he's ultimately gotten in the progression of the character. He seems like he's talled and thinned and uh, out. But I, I agree. I think he uh, definitely shorter, wider Wolverine. You know, is is what needs to be done there. Yes, and bigger sideburns. Mm. Oh yes, that goes without saying. All right, so uh, let's get on to uh, tonight's topic and uh, tonight's topic is a weird one so i mean for all of you who listen to this podcast i don't know if you know this or not but the four of us are canadian what yes all of us I didn't each even and know that. each and 
Every one of us. That's ironic. <laughs> Is it ironic, <laughs> Alanis? Um, and I was sitting there watching an episode of uh, a 30 Rock uh, recently where basically uh, 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 Jack Donaghy was basically trying to escape Canada and escape to the U.S. border so his daughter could be born in the United States and not be born as a Canadian because he was so aghast at this possible concept. And... Of course, the, the show was filled, was ripe with the, essentially the old f- funny Canadian stereotypes that I laugh my head off every time I see on shows like this. And, and, it, and it got me to thinking uh, in my head that, you know, I wonder what the difference is or wh- what makes a geek a geek. But more specifically, what is it like for a, a geek living in Canada? Like, for example, what is it? What, what are the pros? What are the cons of being a geek in Canada? And I said to myself, bam, podcast episode, Shorty Award coming right up. <laughs> um, <laughs> now, I'm going to be totally honest here, and I'm hoping the fellas can help me out with this because we don't really discuss what, we, what our pros and cons are before the show. For me personally, trying to actually come up with some pros was very, very difficult. In fact, I don't think I have... I don't think I have a couple, and they're very lackluster at best. So I don't know if, if let's you know just brush over that first. Did you guys experience the same trouble that I did with this topic? Okay, uh, you know, let's you know. I think it's gonna be easier if we just start with the cons first, and uh, <laughs> <laughs> we can move on to the pros later. Because I think I've got a lot of cons. I'd rather discuss them for crying out loud before I get to the pros. Because then the pros are gonna be the most lack. The, the pros are the most lackluster as far as I can see right now. Mr. D. Giovanni, I want to hear uh, one of the cons of being a Canadian geek from you. Well, I came up with a few. But in, uh, to me, the most difficult thing with being a Canadian geek is access to content. And I think largely this is the majority of what we're probably going to discuss tonight. That access of content, using air quotes there, is can mean a lot of things. But b- by us being Canadian and these rules that are put in place, there's a lot of stuff, mainly TV, let's be honest, Movies, not so much, but television for sure that we get blocked from. I mean, we cannot get our hands on, whether it is via the web or via broadcast television. Yeah, that is, for me personally, that is the biggest freaking stickler of all, for Christ's sakes. It bugs me to no end. Yeah, like that, that is the most frustrating thing. And, you know, it's, it's, it's funny, as we were kind of approaching this topic, the, you know, you can almost look at this two ways by being the direct neighbor to the mighty us of a can either be a good thing depending on how you look at it or it can be a very bad thing and you know the the good thing is uh in comparison to let's say our friends in the united kingdom our friends in australia anywhere in the world like they it might take them longer to get access to things that uh that the US produces. Let's be honest, US is the world leader in entertainment. I'm sorry to the rest of the world, but they are. So, you know, by, by us being so close, we you could say an advantage is we are ex- we have access to this quicker than maybe the rest of the world does. The negative to that is because we're so close and we feed off of the US so much, we are more aware 
of what the U.S. content is. So it can be frustrating that we can't get it as quick. Yeah, I mean, definitely. And what I was going to say is that, you know, because we're so close to the states, we're heavily influenced by them in terms of what what is, you know, our, our lifestyles are a lot similar. So we like the things that they like and it's there and we're just not, we don't have access to it. And this was much more of a problem, I think, growing up probably when we were younger than it is now because of the internet. But I mean, like, cause we, we couldn't get things that we, we knew were good, you know, good television. And even, I mean, sometimes music, I mean, you, we didn't have access to a lot of stuff being in Canada. You know what I mean? Like, especially back in the day, you couldn't get hardly anything. And luckily the internet has kind of made that a little bit more accessible i suppose it's true this it was worse when we were kids you know that yeah i think i think that's a bit of an understatement when you say that the internet has made things better as far as you you mentioned music uh not really our general topic that we talk about here but when we were kids music would come out a month or two earlier in the states than it would here and it would take forever to get through onto the uh, canadian radio based on canadian content laws and just it getting here but like music now seems to be pretty much instantaneous and and more global as well with release um when it comes to television i think the biggest problem is the fact that canadians try to at their own hand at having television shows and that's the problem like we we release movies but not to the same extent and we just accept the fact that american movies are so much better so we take those, but we try to have our own Canadian television shows. So we cut off American feeds and don't allow us to have everything that they have down there. You know, I, I know we do have access to a lot of American channels, but just not everything. So I almost think that it's like our ambition as a country to try and produce our own stuff sometimes shoots the user or the, the Canadian viewer in, in the foot. No, but you see, I, but this is, let me glom on to what you're saying, Bloom. I think if you, like, look at the UK. They have created their own entertainment, uh, system and it is great stuff. The BBC puts out leading content so much so that we are ripping it off here a lot. Yeah. You know, like, and I mean, when I say here, once again, I mean the US. Australia has its own star system as do many other places, because we are the neighbor of the U.S., there is no need to really create a star system here. So we get lackluster Canadian programming, Canadian films, because we can go, well, the U.S. is a lot better and they'll ship it here eventually. That is a a negative. I think it's a detriment to Mm -hmm. the Canadian TV and film business because of our cut our you know our big brother to the south yeah it's our lack of spending but it probably is that way because we have a constant feed of american stuff why are people going to spend money on canadian content like i can remember well it's probably the same but as a kid you would you could pick out a canadian content film just based on the fact of how the cameras looked or how the film actually looked because it looked so much cheaper Dude, you can still do that. Yeah. It's 2011, and you can still tell when it's a Canadian film. And I'm not saying there isn't good Canadian filmmakers. I'm not bashing on that. There is some well-produced Canadian TV shows, I think. Maybe I've heard <laughs> someone say that before. Uh, but yeah, but realistically, I think we are... Sue Thomas, FBI, you didn't like that shit? Come on. Being Erica, what the... No, but... It, 
<laughs> like, honestly, I think we're a bit crippled by the fact that we have the U.S. there. If if Canada was floating somewhere else, we might have a pretty good, you know, Canadian television. Well, but, you know, I mean, part of that also comes to the fact that, you know, it, it, let's not, uh, again, to the be on the pros, though, but there are a lot of fucking funny Canadians, but they're all working down in the States. You know what I mean? That's so, what money is, yeah. I mean, like you talk about some of these guys who are some some goddamn funny motherfuckers, Canadian guys who are you know completely working in Hollywood. They don't work on shit from Canada. Well, that's basically it. What this country is, I and mean, we're branching the whole new area of, of Canadian talent. Is one of the biggest exports, the biggest. Uh, exports of Canadian talent is our comedy, for crying out loud. I mean, you look at SCTV and you even look at Kids in the Hall, uh, select members of, of both of those shows have made big fucking deals in the States and moved on to other big, or, or you know, I use air quotes here, uh, the so-called bigger comedy shows like SNL. It's just funny, though, because, I mean, uh, from what little I know, I mean, I've read a little bit about the CRTC, which is basically what the Canadian radio, blah, blah, blah. Anyway, it's basically the big brother of Canadian content uh, in on, on TV, radio, and all that shit. And I, one of the stats I know is that uh, on Canadian radio, it is mandatory that every single radio station uh, must play, 35% of the music they play must be Canadian content. Now, the reason why we probably have these kind of like uh, cheesy-ass shows uh, on television is probably, I'm, I'm assuming there's some kind of percentage of, there must be some percentage of Canadian shows on, on all Canadian broadcast networks as well. Oh, of course it is. That's, that, yeah. I, I, I don't know what the exact percentage is, but of course, those rules apply to TV. Yeah, but I mean, I got, I got to argue on one side. I mean, while the CIT, CRTC doesn't work, it also has made... We have some pretty goddamn good music, and I would think it comes from partly the fact that there's a ton more radio stations probably than there are TV stations, and they had to fill that 30% or 35% content, and that's how people like you know Sloan and some of the big Canadian bands are, are made it, tragically hit people like that, you know what I mean? So it's it's not all bad, you know what I mean? You have to protect your investment in your kind of own shit some way, don't you? Well, I know. I think the whole deal is basically is like just basically try not to be – so overwhelmed by the you know the friggin' juggernaut of the American entertainment industry that all you know Canadian created content gets lost. Yeah, but the world has changed so much now that people should be able to choose what they want. And I think that's to going back to Downs's point is that the internet has changed a lot of that from what when we were kids. Like now, I think the CRTC they're going to have to change the way they enforce things because. People are, are going to choose what they want to watch, choose what they want to listen to. And it, you know what? If it's Canadian, American, you know, Baltic or Norwegian, that's that, you know, that we, we're going to have that choice. But, you know, if I digress for a moment here, this really was the worst it ever was when we were kids. Cause don't you remember like when you're a kid more than any time you wanted to like, sign up for those contests and shit to get like free, <laughs> you know, and everything was this offer only good in the U S like, you know, and it was like, I want the refrigerator Perry limited edition, like action figure from GI Joe. Chances are we weren't going to be able to participate in that. Yeah. Or get the good cereals. That's yeah, the cereals that used to drive me crazy. I used to, when we used to go to vacation in the U S we used to go in grocery stores and I would walk in 
awe. Like I would be as if I was in a toy store for fuck's yeah. sakes. And I'd go, Oh my God, look, they have, you know, uh, Blueberry. Blueberry. And they have all like 14 variations of Captain Crunch. Like they'd have the ones with, you know, crunch berries and all that stuff. On, this stuff only we saw in TV commercials. Yeah, like I, I don't want to go into that too far because I know we've talked about this before with the Hostess cakes and everything like that. But it's the, it's a pretty good comparison when you look at snacks and treats in the States compared to Canada. And when we were kids to the, you know, television content and how it is in Canada and how we didn't get it. Uh, we had the beachcombers, for God's sakes. But even now, though, it's funny that you mentioned it. Even now, even to this day, with the internet friggin' stores and shit like that, there are still friggin' uh, a website that sell geek merchandise or eBay uh, jerks that sell shit that won't ship to Canada. Yeah. Like, even to this day, it's like, what the fuck? I mean, how how hard is it to well, put it in a friggin' bubble wrap envelope and send that statue up to me? Yeah. Well, you know, and, and the other thing, too, now that you mentioned the internet – you know, Downs had mentioned before that how much the internet has kind of opened up this world to us for, for getting content, at least on time. We can get content from the internet as well. But one of the things, if you're not so net savvy, is you don't have access to things like you watch on ABC. You say, missed part of the episode? You can watch it on ABC.com right now. We can't do that. Why are they yeah. so stingy that they can't let me watch it on ABC.com right now? That bugs the living shit out of me for Christ. Like, there, for for a future episode we have coming up, there was a specific show that I wanted to use that I've read about and have not seen on the internet, but I cannot, you know, to our Canadian listeners, you know, to because I'm looking out for our Canadian listeners, I could not find easy access to that content for them to watch it. So therefore, I couldn't friggin' pick it as my choice for this show. Yeah, it's it's funny how we almost still to this day try to think we can trick them a little bit maybe they won't know this laptop is from canada because i still have that problem like you'll go oh i want to watch a clip from saturday night live and i wanted to send around to my friends one of the digital shorts that they did and then you'll go you'll find it on funnyordie.com or nbc or whatnot and as soon as you go to click on the video it'll go unfortunately uh, the region that you are in you are not able to access this content you'll be like for fuck's sakes, honestly, like, like I know Downs has probably know some friggin' fancy, easy, dingly dongly doodle to do the friggin' bypass that shit for crying out loud. But you know what? I don't want to have to fucking bother with that. I just want to, I just want to go, you know, st- stupid lazy me, get my fucking mouse and go to Adult Swim and go click click and not see a friggin' funny little friggin' response telling, hey, why don't you try the Adult Swim in the UK for? And it's, sake. it's your point. The internet is if we try hard enough. You'll be able to find stuff. I mean, Downs is living proof of that. You can find it on some BitTorrent, Glip, Gorrent, Globby Glop, uh, Zap. Like, you'll be able to I, find it. You can tell we're real technical wizards yeah. on this show. <laughs> but you it's know, a miracle that we actually get a podcast together. I know, for my God. Sakes. This is on <laughs> iTunes, isn't it? No. Uh, no well, we, no, we do it. We no. record on an eight track tape and then uh, convert it to cassette and then <laughs> yeah. from cassette to CD. But no, basically. not all of us had a lot to fucking do with getting it up there. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> Guess who is our technical wizard? Uh, but honestly, like, I'm sure, yes, you can find all this stuff. But to Christian's point, it's the steps that we have to go. It's it's just like the ease of use now that we live in a digital age. I should be able to I should be able to just click on a link, watch a video that of something 
let's be honest, that's already aired. It's already aired, people. Why can't I, know, I like, just like, watch it now? Like, like the, if I see that behind the scenes of The Office in Canada, I don't know. I may have to burn down the Parliament buildings for Christ's sakes. Yeah. Yeah. Won't be able to handle my shit after that. I'll just go crazy and that's run right. around. What? That's right. What? Ah. Dirty Rock outtakes. That's it. This this government's going down. Yeah, but I mean, again, to pull the business card, that's all oh, about Jesus. fucking protecting the rights of somebody who gets paid to own the distribution rights to that. And that is old school fucking business, and that's just not where we're at in this day and age. What, who the fuck are you? Are you like the freaking Two Face of the freaking uh, Atomic Geeks podcast? For crying out loud. What side of the coin are you on? No, and I agree with Downs because that is the answer. We unfortunately have to watch uh, Saturday Night Live and shows like Fringe on a channel here in Canada called Global. It's one of the Canadian channels. Well, they want they have the Canadian rights to it, so they don't want us going to an NBC.com to watch it. You know, and to Downs's point, there's you know, protection and uh, content and, and contracts for commercials. Actors. It's a, it's about advertising. It is about advertising. But like that, when we take that away from it, just to think of us from our geek perspective and just where just gimme, gimme, gimme. I want the fucking content. It is frustrating, right? Like, I don't know if people in markets farther away across on the other side of the world would have this frustration as much as we would because we know it's there. We're, we, you know, we're, we're, it's spilling over so easily here, but yet we still can't get it. Well, I mean, let's talk about markets from the other side of the world because that's another friggin' point that I, I brought up to myself about being a fucking Canadian geek. And specifically, as was already previously mentioned, fucking uh, BBC friggin' content. I mean, am I wrong? I mean, didn't we used to be like friggin' uh, best friends with the United Kingdom for crying out loud? I mean, do you think if anyone would have a problem of basically trading content back and forth, it'd be our fucking friends across the pond. We're, so, like, maybe Downs wouldn't have to wait frickin' like three months to watch fucking Christmas episode of Coronation Street. <laughs> like, didn't they used to own us? Yeah, no, like, yeah, we're, we we're like, fucking monarch. We're part of the monarchy. With that, our shit should be like branded with the fucking royal logo. <laughs> oh wait, don't some places still have the picture of that friggin' broad with the crown in their friggin' office? Yeah, like our shit? money. I was gonna say. I was. I thought the C and BBC stood for Canada. <laughs> British, because I mean, they've got some and pr- Canada. That's what it stands for. <laughs> they've got some fucking dynamite fucking television over there, and we're just sitting there like lumps on everybody else in fucking North America. I mean, technically, we have an in, don't we? I mean, we kind of got the inside track with those fuckers. Not well liked anymore. So. We're not well liked. Hey, those are our fuck. That's my people, man. It's I know that's what I'm the, saying. It's so, because of the Atomic Geeks, too. <laughs> I was hoping you'd have the inside track, and they'd tell me what the hell we did or what you did. <laughs> yeah, I was, uh, uh, I was you know, actually was not legally allowed to talk about <laughs> yeah, it. On the right. air. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we'll have to wait till another time. Uh, one of the things that that also stinks about uh, being in Canada, and we, we got away from this a little bit, and I, I didn't get a chance to jump in while we were talking about it, but it, it brings up my thoughts on the biggest, latest thing that's been in our lives, I guess, is Netflix. Here we have this new, awesome uh, streaming video uh, accessibility, and uh, all excited about it. And then once you get it, you find out 
slap in the face, you don't get all the new content that they get in the States. You don't get everything they have. And the new slap in the face that we're getting is that our Internet providers, the Rogers and the Bells of the world, are telling us now that they're not they're probably not going to allow Netflix to have unlimited uh, memberships, especially not for $8 a month because they're using their infrastructure. They're using their, uh, you know, um, fiber optics and, and cable and everything like that. And they're saying, you know what? You're stealing too much bandwidth, Netflix, and you're taking away from uh, what we have up here is the Rogers On Demand which is our video company or our cable company. And then the whatever, Bell, each individual cable company has their own on-demand yeah, system. And Bell, whatever the fuck it is, because no one likes Bell anymore. Uh, but Netflix is now in this situation where us good Canadians, we're excited about Netflix, are going to get stuffed again. Okay, and so here's the problem with this whole situation is that, um, like the car companies in the States, as a matter of fact, these businesses – Business models are antiquated, and they need to fucking move on. But that's not the way it works. Um, you know, when I mentioned how good it is to be in Canada, you know, most of our shit isn't kind of run by, uh, you know, lobbyists and stuff, but some of it is. And uh, specifically, that has to do with our television and film and, and those types of things and all our cell phones. We have some of the worst cell phone plans and data rates in the world, and um, this is what's now – potentially trying to happen with our internet usage. They're trying to basically take away these companies who own all that stuff, these cable television companies and, you know, uh, phone, traditional phone companies, there they own all the internet. And so, you know, they don't like that we're using the internet as opposed to the broadcast television to, to get all that shit. So they're trying to force us back to that. And, and this, that is definitely a downside to what we're doing here because these people are, all up in the government and the CRTC, and we're about to pass this big law without really anyone knowing it was going to fucking happen. That was going to basically have all Canadians, you know, no one, no, not, not, not able to do an unlimited download, uh, you know, internet package. So basically, anyone like me who's a high internet user, you know, would, uh, and I already pay for a lot, but uh, I'd be paying a fuck of a lot more now because they would basically set the caps way lower than what I'm at now, uh, you know, and they would charge me like a buck a gig. I'd be paying something like three hundred dollars uh, a month just for internet usage in my home. I mean, that's three hundred million dollars a year. Yeah, it was. The, it, it but was I mean, I, in the case of, of the Netflix that I was talking about, down. Sorry to cut in there, but. I kind of understand it. This American company comes up and says, hey, we're much better than no, you. But, no, but so listen. So my point was that, you know, th- this is Netflix. Ha- Netflix has a better fucking business model, and they can offer yeah. it at a price that's more affordable. So how fucking dare Rogers, who who basically stumbled into this whole video on demand thing, just because they're the Internet provider means they should start offering all film online and you have to use them? That is not real fucking capitalism. So you, no. when, I, when I talk about being the business mind, a lot of times I've said shit that, that I don't agree with. But, you know, if you want to be real business, fuck over those guys, and Netflix should be able to do what, what they want because they have the fucking business model and if it supports it. That's true capitalism. Right. Right, but you have to understand this, and this is the only thing that I and I'm playing sort of devil's advocate here. What you have to understand is Rogers and Bell paid the hard capital to put the the fiber optic cables in the ground. And Netflix, even if they put in their own servers and everything in Canada and, and allowed uh the content to be carried through the majority of it, you're still uh feeding each individual home through Rogers or Bell physical cable. And that's where 
I get it. I get getting paid more by Netflix, but not sticking it to the man or sticking it to us. So if Netflix was able well, to do, if Netflix yeah, was able they, they, to to say to us, you can have unlimited downloads, but now it's going to cost you fifteen dollars a month. I would still, I would kind of understand that, and it still wouldn't be that bad. But the fact that uh, you go one step further and our Rogers and and Bells uh, are saying you can't have that type of internet access, that's I think is is stepping on toes of of what should be you know our right as as consumers see i i got to agree with downs here and and i and i and that's a you completely articulated it perfectly there bloom but i disagree with the way rogers and bell are coming at this you know just because they paved the road they can't say the types of cars that are going to drive on them sort of thing you know it's like oh what a great analogy you know it's like like, honestly, like Netflix, we still have to access our Internet through a Rogers or Bell or a Canadian provider. That is not going to change. We It is required to use something like Netflix. So they're still going to get our money this way. But for them to have to control how much content we get is wrong. Like, that to me is wrong. Here's And I just wanted to throw this as well to any of our American and, for that matter, international uh, listeners that aren't aware of this. Here's another thing. We can't access Hulu in Canada. I was going to bring that up. That's another thing that is blocked here as a result of what we're talking about. Hulu.com, we can't watch any programming here because the Rogers and Bells of the world think you should get your, you know, your on-demand television type programming via their service. Yeah, let's just dig that knife a little bit further there. I just read recently on Twitter today that the Hulu Plus, which is, I guess, the next level of Hulu, uh, is adding basically all Criterion Collection movies to the Hulu network as well for access. I mean, fuck you. I mean, why can I have that too, you know? It's actually, you know, based off this conversation from what we've talked about thus far, I'm surprised we can even be geeks. I mean, you'd think we'd have to be like sports fans or something because we just, it's surprising that we've been able to even just acquire access to watch Star Wars and Avatar. Well, I watched Star Wars last week. It just came out, right? <laughs> That's right. The special effects are totally awesome, eh? They're totally awesome. I turned off my hacky to watch uh, Star Wars there. <laughs> but you know, I'll, I'll, I'll come clean on this. And I'm basically a big fucking baby. Listen, all I got to say is, like, don't stop this fucking fighting bullshit and whatever and things. And I want this and I want that. Just let me do it, you know, let me get all the good shit, I mean, all those fucking TV networks, like, I'm sorry, Downs is watching Sons of Anarchy, and it's never been broadcast from what I understand in fucking Canada, for crying out loud. No, it is now, oh, Christian, it is. Now it is, but Downs was there getting it, because he knew it was good, and I know there's all this good shit down there that I want, just like there's all this good shit over fucking across the freaking ocean that I want too, but you know, because I'm being somehow coddled or whatever, I just... I just can't get it, and it's fucking frustrating as hell. The world we live in now is because the Internet has broken down the walls. There are no borders anymore. We should create some sort of system. And this, you know, I'm, it's amazing how much I sound like downs here, finally, this week. Because <laughs> we should think of some sort of model. I will pay $5 a month to use Hulu. I will... I will pay an extra $8 to have BBC 
not BBC Canada, the, mm-hmm. the BBC. If I want ABC, the like as ABC.com or ABC exists, I should have that. You know, I, I, we still have to buy televisions. We still have to have internet access. We're still paying for those services. Just let us fuck all of this, the, the rules of saying this is Canadian. This is that we, we want to control this. Charge what you guys want us to do and just let us have at it. Yeah. So at least you have the option there to pick up whatever you want. Yeah. Like the biggest rub is that we have all this access for information details, precise details about the content. It's just getting to that fucking content is such a pain in the ass. It's like having a treasure map and never being able to get to the fucking gold, man, is what you're talking about. <laughs> He's still trying for another one. The, the cars on the road was the best one yet. But the like, it's the, the point is, too, the, the frustrating thing is you know about this content. You want to go out and get it. But if you download it illegally, you're doing something illegal. You can get in trouble for it. So or a give, nasty give virus me, in some cases. Give, yes. Give me that shit. Uh, uh, or don't penalize me for going out and getting it myself. Like, I don't Well, and so, you know, I mean, when, when you talk about, you know, when I get shit on for pirating or whatever, I mean, these are the reasons that I do this. I don't, I, I don't, I don't, I don't agree with, I don't, I don't agree with the whole fucking model. You can't say just because of where I live. It's it, 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 that I have to break a law to fucking watch a TV show. That's fucking retarded. You can't. That's that's not the world we live in today. And, and ladies and gentlemen, I'd like to introduce you to uh, non-businessman downs uh, <laughs> online right now. No, this is. And I agree I, with you. To I am running for office in fucking Toronto, Kent. Uh, fucking. Like I I agree with your point to the fact, like for example, television shows that do not come up here in Canada, I will fucking download. I mean, there was a Terrier show that was supposed to be really good. Man, I would have loved to support that show, but I could not watch it in Canada. Sons of Anarchy, you know, couldn't watch it in Canada. Even friggin', um, not Mad Men, but friggin' wasn't Breaking Bad didn't come in up here until AMC Network, you know, showed it here, blah, blah, blah. Am I just babbling here? No, it's like... You get the point. There's a lot of shit down there we know about. If they can't get it up here, then I will have to make steps to get it myself. You know, in that case, you know what the thing is, the what the world that we live in and each day that moves on the idea of a quote unquote channel and network that's dying. It the content is what is important. Now, people used to sit down at night and go, you know what, honey, let's turn the TV on and just keep it on ABC. That's how people used to watch television. They would put it on and you'd watch it for four hours. People now, it the, the the actual network doesn't matter, man. It's the show. You want to watch Breaking Bad? Give me fucking Breaking Bad. The thought, the idea is, we're protecting all of this because of ABCs, NBCs, the CTVs, Globals, which are Canadian channels. We, you cannot tell me that we don't have the sophistication in this day and age now that you can just air the program. And be able to target ads to the appropriate Canadian markets. Location like, based, location based advertising. You can't say yes. they don't have that already. You can't, I mean, why can you not do that? Why do you need to be guarded by CT, uh, these networks? Just put the show on, know that I'm watching it from Toronto and, and basically deliver me an ad for Toronto hookers or something. <laughs> 
that's a yeah, big, I, that's big business around Mike's house. Well, that, and that, that's very personalized, location-based advertising. <laughs> yeah. yeah, depending on your taste and hookers. <laughs> um, uh, how about we uh, shift gears just a little bit? Um, because uh, I'm thinking, I have some more cons that I would like to discuss before uh, we end the episode. Uh, one of the things I was thinking about is why, why are there no good Canadian superheroes in comic books? Okay, that is so funny that you mentioned that because one of the things I marked down on my list is Canadian superheroes. Like we have the the U.S. has Batman and Superman. And Spider-Man and all those motherfuckers. Who do we have? Captain Canuck. I mean, let's talk about Captain Canuck for a second there. Anybody here on this podcast really know, first of all, the origin or the secret identity or the what the whole deal is behind Captain Canuck? Does anyone care? No. No, but that's my point, no. though. No, the guy's called essentially Captain fucking Canada, and none of us on the Atomic Geeks podcast really know anything about him. Well, I mean, there's Wolverine is Canadian. Yeah, I was going to say Wolverine. Obviously, that's very cool that Wolverine is, but he's not produced by Canadians or anything. What do we got? We got yeah. Scott Pilgrim. Yeah, but he's not exactly, you know, freaking waving the flag as he freaking guts hydra agents for crime. Well, no, I mean, it, it, but let's be real. It's not very cool to be Canadian. That's the problem. It's not like Americans are down there, Amer- American chicks are going, oh, my God, I can't wait for a bunch of Canadian guys to come down here and fuck us. I mean, that's, that's it, you, we don't, you know. See. I don't know. There's a few years every time we visited the Chicago Comic Con, I think that those uh, words were actually were uttered. The ladies got their panties in a bunch when we showed up. <laughs> Look at those guys in the X-Men t-shirts. <laughs> wow, I like the one with the Captain Canuck hat. <laughs> Hello. I'm just saying, I don't think anybody creams their jeans over Canadian guys. Canadian well, it, geeks. You know, it's not it's not about the creaming of the jeans so much. Down, It's just like there's no envy in the geek world because we don't deliver. In any world, though. Not, it's not just a geek world. It's, well, you it's, start talking hockey and people might change their mind. Yeah, but that, that actually is a very good point, is what you're saying, because, again, this was another con on my list. There is really nothing that, uh, as Canadian geeks, that we produce that is uniquely Canadian. I mean, don't get me wrong. I understand they are independent Canadian comic book artists and so on and so on. But, I mean, specifically, with somebody, some kind of a, something of a geek nature, they think, oh, that came from Canada, or that's a Canada thing. Like, anime is synonymous with Japan. You know, cartoons in general, or even big blockbuster movies, are associated with the United States. Humor. But there's nothing really uniquely Canadian in the geek front, I would, just, I, I think. And yet, well, I mean, well, I mean, in the internet, and I would say the video game space, I don't know if we're necessarily uniquely, but I, we're definitely known for that stuff. I would have to argue. But that, but I do. Do people really know that uh, Canadian programmers make video games? Like that's a, I, to Christian's point. I don't think that's really. No. no, probably not. Like, uh, was it Rockstar Games uh, that has Mon- in Montreal? Yeah, like there's other and, lots oh, in yeah, Montreal. And there's, there's lots, lots of yeah, and Electronic there. Arts is in BC. Like, there, it's, there's Canadian video game shit happening all over the place. But that is that does not. It's it, it, the products they create are not exactly Canadian in nature, so to speak. You know, and, what, and no. of course that's a bigger question. What is Canadian in nature? But there's no specific geek thing. You know what I mean? Like snowshoe wrestling or something like that. Hey, that's a Canadian thing. That that came from Canada. You know what I mean? It's kind of like carte blanche. <laughs> you would have that to. You know that's where it came wrestling. from. I don't know where else it would come from. <laughs> no, but you're you're totally right though. Okay? That's, that's not to knock that there aren't great Canadian uh, special effects 
uh, creators and there's great video game designers and there's good comic book writers and artists, Darwin Cook. And, you know, Andrew mentioned, uh, you know, Scott Pilgrim is wears Canada very proudly. But I, but, but there, yeah, there, there really isn't. I mean, they're working in a business that's not synonymous with with Canada. We are essentially the underground support team for a lot of fucking kick-ass entertainment the, in North America. We're the dirty underbelly of the entertainment business. Yeah. Well, the Atomic Geeks is carried by that USA Geeks uh, podcast, and we're just sort of snippets inside it. <laughs> <laughs> no, because I was trying to think of myself, because, you know, obviously, they're, like, when you think of, of big friggin' balls-out fucking American movies, like, you think of, like, they make you, like, you know, go into theater and stand up and go, yeah! You know what I mean? Like, movies like your friggin' Rockies or your Rambos or shit like that. I mean... I can't think of a Canadian movie, like a really good Canadian movie where I like going, yeah, that's a fucking Canadian movie. You know, it does, nothing comes to mind immediately for me. Men with brooms. Yeah. Like, there are even good British films that, like, even Downs would agree with me. Like, one, fuck, that's a good movie. Like, Snatch and your lock stock and yeah. two smoking barrels. Those are, you know, specifically British movies that you go, fuck, awesome. You know, even freaking Hot Fuzz, never, well, you know, a freaking uh, super duper cop movie. Yeah. But, uh, like, British. and that's, that's true. There's nothing that you would say, hey, it's great and it's so super Canadian or anything like that. But, you know, there is, there is something to be said about a lot of film making being done in Canada now. Of course, it is by U.S. companies. There are, there is obviously Canadian filmmaking going on somewhere. Uh, I think that's in Romania. But the, uh, Toronto, Vancouver, Montreal, they're used a lot for um, U.S. films and stuff like that. I don't know whether or not that will spell an open door for Canadians or for Canadian content, but it's one thing that we're, you know, one step a little bit closer to the Hollywood. But the thing is, they're not – Toronto, Vancouver, and Montreal are standing in for Chicago and New York. I understand. Well, I mean, I mean, there is, I mean, there are some, I mean, there's guys like Adam McGoin and stuff who are doing, you know, yeah. they're, they're getting some recognition. But I, but I would think in terms of your British film, um, it's, it's not like, you know, there's a Canadian director who comes out like a Guy Ritchie who totally redefines instead of the, maybe the gangster genre, the superhero genre. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. I, I, there's, I, I don't know any Canadian, I mean, uh, aside from, uh, Adam McGoyan, who, aside if, uh, if you're in the film industry in Canada, I don't know any Americans who would know a Canadian director's name. Oh, I'm well, what's that, his name? Not... David Lynch, I guess he's Canadian, so. Yeah, okay, well, there's something else but I he's totally not avoid making, as well. But he, the thing is, is they're not really making Canadian movies. They're not making... No. Canada is no, no, but 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 to Christian's point about the British films, the fact that Snatch is British and is an accent, and I think that something like what uh, I would 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 uh, you know David Finn or whatever face would argue is that it's not that different to be Canadian. So if he tells some erotic, fucked up, crazy tale, there's nothing specific about it to make it Canadian. And that's what I was trying to say here, and that's why it goes back to even the point about the Canadian superheroes outside of the CN Tower, there's nothing internationally iconic about Canada. There really isn't. To set a story in Toronto, in the mean streets of Toronto, doesn't mean anything. Like, there is no, unfortunately, to the world, there really is no identity to us in that sense. Think about it. Every story that is 
has a part that is set in Canada, the characters are have generally gotten lost or taken a wrong turn or are having a weird experience in Canada. There's not just a story of people solving a crime or doing a big drug deal in Vancouver. It just doesn't happen. But, I mean, not to say that we should actually, you know, follow the model of the American film, but just a, a movie that kind of this fucking seems just a giver, you know what I mean? Just like, a, yeah, you know, and, and still somehow echo the sentiment of Canada. But I guess that's not really well, the sentiment of Canada to begin with, is the giver. Well, no, the problem is, is and that you, I give her, I give her every night, every goddamn day. <laughs> You know, the, the problem is, though, is that you'd have to identify as to what's it, what does it mean to be uniquely Canadian, and that's a real difficult situation. Like, what 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 can you say is the character trait, or what do they do that's uniquely Canadian to make it such a great story? You know, aside from telling a hockey tale, which I, I, I just don't think the average person cares about that much. What else you got to say? Yeah, but that's if there's anything that Canadians do good is basically reenactments of of Canadian novels or freaking stories uh, <laughs> stories of Canadian political history or sports history. Right. Those always seem the most fucking awesome things that we produce. Well, I mean, it's you know, just, it's Trudeau, like, Trudeau, Trudeau, the untold story, or Team Canada—they scored goals. How much? How many more? Untold stories are there of Trudeau? Let's be honest. They've told every story of this fucking guy. Like it's the only no interesting one... guy they have to is talk about. Nobody else. Like guy comes into fucking Parliament wearing a fucking flower and fancy fucking jacket. And all of a sudden, <laughs> Look it's, out. it's fucking movies forever. <laughs> <laughs> um, as far as pros go, I mean, the only pros I can think of is as far as being a Canadian geek is basically being. Proud of Canadians who've basically become a success, I guess, in the entertainment industry in general. Yeah, that's one of my pros. Does anybody else have any pros? You're well, stretching you, here. You might. It be is stre- stretching though. But I can't, that's what I'm saying. I had really, I had problems of thinking like something that was great about being a Canadian. So we're geek. so we're envious of people that leave and go get far more. <laughs> yeah, but that's that's. I'm else. sorry. Like I said, I was stretching. It's kind of sad. I, I don't know. I, I mean, TJ, you gotta. We have way better beer. That's what, I was going to say, let's think of some real pros here. We can drink a couple of years earlier than the Americans. And night, <laughs> we can drink at 19, and in most provinces other than Ontario, you can drink at 18. So, no, I mean, I, 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 I get that. I mean, don't get me wrong. There's, I love living living in this country and all the things and all the shit and the, the free arm casts and headache pills I can get all I want. But, I mean, as far as geek-centric well, beer is ideals. geek-centric on this show. That's and number, true. And number two, I've got a couple, but these are really stretching it. I remember as a kid, okay, this once again goes back to when we were younger and people actually went to movies, okay, where we didn't have the opportunity to watch them online, rip them, or, you know, even before the advent of them coming to home entertainment, uh, you know, practically fucking two months after they've been in the theater. The one thing I remember is Canada always had looser regulations in terms of the rating system. Something that was rated R in the U.S. would be PG or PG-13 here, or as it used to be called, adult accompaniment. Hey, go check out the boobs, eh? That's but Don't that's you remember that? Like, we oh, yeah. could get... We could get into movies that's, that some of the Americans couldn't. 
Yeah, I remember that being not an issue at all. It basically is like, what movie do you want to see? That one. Okay, let's go. But it you would know? be rated R in the U.S. Like that, we were just a little bit more lenient, it seemed, in our rating system. It, it, except and on tele- and on television as well. Except, yeah. except my parents. Everything was rated X to them. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> the other thing that I remembered, or at least I know this is still true to this day, is that whenever there is a holiday, this goes to comic books, is that whenever there is a holiday, if it's President's Day, Thanksgiving, whatever, comics are always delivered on Wednesdays. That is New Comic Day known across the North America. But whenever there is a holiday that falls on a Monday in the U.S., that day gets shifted to Thursday. But that does not happen in Canada. There is never a week where comics don't come out on Wednesdays. So whenever there's a holiday... Canada gets comic books first. You can actually spoil Americans on comic books because they have to wait till Thursday and good old Canada still gets them Wednesday. So at least that may show that we really don't have a lot of, we're not very patriotic and we don't really give a shit about holidays. holidays. (laughs) Yeah. But the biggest pain in the ass about Canadian comics versus American comics, and I, I, I'm assuming this hasn't changed, is that although the fact that our dollar is, is pretty much on par with the Yankee dollar, we still pay 15 to 25% more for our comic book material than they do. That's, that's another great point about being a con uh, to be in, a, in terms of being Canadian, period, is that, again, we live in this place where we see U.S. prices on a daily basis and our economy mirrors there is so much yet we have our own currency that's that for years was behind the u.s's now is finally finally equal and yet our prices are still as if yeah. our dollar is not worth as much that's a fucking yeah, no, smack no, in the fucking face let me tell you no no offense it, it, when i go to a freaking my local gigantic bookstore and i pick up a freaking trade paperback of whatever ultimate spider-man so they go hey i might get this i look at the price in the u.s it's like 8.99 but in canada 19.99 yeah that's the thing that sucks too is because why even show us that American price. That's another thing of just being in Canada and being so close to them is that they rub it in our face because they have to publish both price points. Yeah, and that's and then that's the thing with Canadian conventions. Uh, just another thing I didn't mention uh, with Canadian conventions that you know retailers on Sunday their big deal is that hey everyone trade paperbacks at American prices. And it's like okay, you know you can't just and say fifty percent. I mean. It's uh, price. It's horrible. So what? So have we basically ascertained that the only good thing about uh, being a Canadian geek is that every once in a while we get our comic books before they do. <laughs> that yeah. sums it up right there. That's, no, remember that we can drink two years earlier here. Oh, yeah. oh, that's right. We can drink two years earlier while reading a comic book on a Wednesday. So we can get like some. So there's some 18 year old in friggin' Montreal just getting his friggin' ass friggin' plastered and saying, hey "Everybody, in the internet, Captain America, real identity is Steve Rogers." And then he and then he also says, "Go, Michael J. Fox, love you, man. Do us proud." <laughs> <laughs> According to you, that's a great benefit that we can cheer on Canadian. Yeah. Heroes go. I guess uh, a lot of us. I guess it's obvious that this was not. Uh, sp- this podcast was not sponsored by the Canadian Tourism Board. <laughs> <laughs> Come to Canada. So that will do it for uh, Canadian geeks. Lots of cons 
and a couple of pros, uh, episode uh, 102. So now let's move on to our Atomic Picks. Atomic Picks. Starting with Mr. Andrew Bloom. Well, thank you, Christian. Um, I was fortunate enough, or the, I guess the Atomic Geeks were fortunate enough, to get a couple of DVDs from Magnolia Films. Um, want to throw out a thanks for that one, and we got a chance to, or I got a chance to review Ong Bok Three. Uh, this was an interesting DVD, to say the least. I'm very happy that I got it in a way because I don't know if you all know this, but I kind of like the kung fu. Um, but I will say this: this is not a strong film outside of the fighting. The fighting in this movie is quite excellent. Um, it is subtitled, and it's from Thailand, and the plot is sort of not quite there. I'm not really sure most of it what happens. Uh, it's a bit odd, but I did miss Ong Bak too. So uh, I will say that guy does some crazy-ass fighting, and it's it's entertaining for that. But outside of that, it's a little painful to sit through. Uh, you might be watching it like it's a porn movie and fast forwarding to the action uh but thank you magnolia films for giving us that one to review mr downs okay so um i'll probably get a little shit for this atomic pick but uh i have to give an atomic pick to coronation street um spoiler alert i'm just gonna uh, do a little bit of spoiling now um so I have uh, started to download this show from the UK schedule, so I don't have to put up with the crappy CBC six-month wait time to watch episodes. And I just so happened to catch the uh, this past season's Christmas episodes. And for those of you who don't know, shit always hits the fan on Coronation Street over Christmas. Secrets come out, people fight, it gets crazy. And this year happened to be the 50th anniversary of Coronation Street. Oh, my God. A bar blows up. A fucking subway train goes off the bridge that's over top of it. Fucking people are killed. Half the street is blown the fuck up. I'm telling you, this is the craziest thing outside of, like, 24 I've ever seen on a TV show. And the fact that this all happened in, like, this little fucking street in Britain was fucking mental. I'm dead serious. It was, and, like, really, really good storytelling. I know I get a lot of shit for this show, but it uh, it really is a great little show. Um, um, hats off to 50 years to this television show, the longest thing going. And uh, if you're a Corey fan, and I didn't spoil that for you, uh, you know, I bet you can't wait to check that out. Oh, well, I'm not going to belittle your love for that show because, I mean, there's, I can, if anything, I can understand totally about But uh, it's just the very fact, I think it's the first, uh, the first time in podcasting ever that the actual Coronation Street has been compared to the, the TV series. <laughs> yeah, that uh, might be a first. <laughs> Uh, I'm going to go with my atomic pick next because I would like to bury it uh, uh, in between, uh, I'm sure, uh, this, the next great atomic pick. Uh, I had a chance uh, to sit down and, and watch a movie on Netflix and I'm sco- scooting around doing some stuff. And I thought, ah, oh, what the hell, I'll watch this. And I decided to watch uh, the 2007 blockbuster action thriller The Condemned. Uh, starring former professional wrestler uh, Steve Stone Cold Steve Austin, uh, also starring uh, Vinnie Jones. Uh, basically, the premise is, hey, let's put a whole bunch of fucking dirty-ass murderers on an island and watch them kill themselves on the Internet. And then eventually, halfway through the movie, 
why don't we get a conscience all of a sudden? Um, I like uh, Stone Cold Steve Austin. I've seen him in a couple episodes of Chuck. I always wished he kind of would have made good in film or TV. But the movie itself, bleh, it was all right. Almost, It was a little bit too brutal for my taste, for crying out loud, and a, and a, a little bit too self-serving. But, I mean, what are you going to get? So there you go, Atomic Pan, the Condemned 2007. And now uh, here is Mr. Giovanni with his Atomic Pick. <laughs> That's pretty funny. Actually, I went to the premiere of The Condemned with Steve Austin in the theater, and he got up and did a Q&A after. Actually, that's pretty <laughs> fucking funny. Uh, I like that guy, though. <laughs> uh, one atomic pick for me this week. Want to thank our friends at Warner Brothers Home Entertainment for sending me over a copy of All-Star Superman. This is uh, the latest film from the animated DC Universe uh, where they're basically adapting real graphic novels and comic book stories. Easily, this is the best animated film that they have put out yet. All-Star Superman, if you don't know, is based on the wonderful 12-issue series by DC by Grant Morrison and Frank Quitely. I tell you, on a small tangent, if you have not read that, fucking buy the collected version of that. It is, without a doubt, probably the best Superman story Ever, but at least within the last couple, within the last decade. But uh, this uh, animated film does a great job of capturing Grant Morrison and Frank Quitely's vision. Really, really good stuff. Fun story. Doesn't you 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 don't feel like this is your Saturday morning Superman? This is a really an adult story. Ends in a very unique place, and it really stays as loyal as it can. To the uh, source material, obviously not everything from the comic, uh, twelve issue comic series makes it into the about ninety minute film. But what does show up is really, really good. I give uh, high recommendations for All Star Superman, which will be available on February twenty second on Blu Ray and DVD. But hey, folks, if you want to get your hands on one of those uh, copy of those Blu Ray. If you want to get a, if you get your hands, if you, but well, folks, if you want to get your hands on a copy of a Blu-ray of the All-Star Superman, the Atomic Geeks are your hookup. We have five copies to give away to fans. All you got to do is go to our forum, go there or join our forums, and go to the thread about the Atomic Geeks contest. And all we're asking you to do is is put up and uh, your favorite picture of Superman. The more unique, the better. That's right. That's all it's going to take. The best pictures are going to win. You have until February 21st to do so. Five people are going to be selected. Five peeps are getting Blu-rays of All-Star Superman. So go to our forums and win, win, win. Let's see here. There we go. Uh, episode 102 of the Atomic Geeks podcast. As per usual, I want to put some uh, good vibes out there for all you people on the Internet. Uh, I want to thank, uh, a big thank to uh, Chris Locke, 1701, for his fantastic recent iTunes review. And again, he's also a big presence on our forum as well. He did a recently uh, put up a, a post about a trivia challenge, which he says he'll do weekly. I wish he would because... Lord knows I like the trivia, so uh, thanks to you, uh, Chris Locke. Uh, also, uh, a big thanks to uh, Fundy Geek, 
who has updated his previous uh, iTunes review to say, hey, that we're still awesome. So, again, big thanks for that. It's greatly appreciated. Uh, I also want to thank uh, Corey Allen Campbell on the Facebook uh the Atomic, uh, the Atomic Geeks Facebook fan page, who basically said he's been introduced to the show by our, our pal in Australia, AJ Maggot, and is essentially going back and re-listening to all of our older episodes. That makes me smile like you wouldn't believe. So uh, why don't you uh, basically get on the fun, give us an iTunes review, uh, give us, pardon me, so why don't you get on the fun and give us an iTunes review or go to our Facebook fan page and say that you like us, because we like that a lot. Uh, next week, we are back with a brand new episode hosted by our friend, Mr. Michael Downs. Why don't you tell us just a little bit of what we can expect? Watch this television show or die. <laughs> That's right. Next week, we're doing Gunpoint reviews so there you go ladies and germs episode 102 the atomic geeks podcast i have no way of ending this episode you've just listened to another episode of the atomic geeks visit us at theatomicgeeks.com. production by andrew bloom title track by don't look down 